Morning. Remember uh, last fall we did a series of sermons on the values of the church? Well, it might have appeared that that was just a sermon series and then we were done, but that's not the case. We're trying to make those really be the values of the church, so I want to bring one back up this morning, value number four. It'll be up there in a minute. I hope. It's up there. We believe that living life together in a safe, me too community is the best opportunity for pursuing truth and grace through intentional apprenticeship to Jesus. Authentic community is value number four. That we would be a group of people that live together, that are pursuing uh, apprenticeship in Jesus with each other. Me too, right? You've made a mess of things, I've made a mess of things. We all need a relationship with Jesus to resolve that. Um, so I've been thinking about that. And um, what do you think of the other followers of Jesus? Most of them are kind of a mess, aren't they? Seriously? Their theology... It's kind of jacked up, isn't it? The way they follow Jesus? Well, let me put it this way. It's sure not the way I do it. Right? Is that how you feel about most of them? Because I think that's how I feel about most of them. So, uh... Jesus was praying for us one day in John chapter 17. And he said this. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. This was talking about the apostles. And he was praying for us now. Those who would believe in their message. That all of them, that's me and you, may be one, Father. Just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Remember last week, um, we read some verses in John 14 about Jesus sending an advocate, the spirit of truth that would come. And that spirit of truth, the advocate, came to us because Jesus was in the Father and the Father was in Jesus and Jesus was in us. So Jesus sent the advocate, the spirit of truth, for us. This morning, we continue and see this that Jesus is in the Father, that the Father is in Jesus, uh, because Jesus and the Father are one. Right? We all believe this part of our theology, that there is a trinity, the Father, Son, and Spirit. And they're not three separate things. They are one thing, somehow split up into three beings. I don't know how it all works, right? Above my pay grade to understand the trinity, I just believe in the trinity. So they're one. What it looks like is Jesus is in the Father and the Father is in Jesus. They're in each other. They're together. They're combined. Can you imagine the Father without the Son? Or the Son without the Father? You you can't even split them apart, can you? I know they're two separate things, but they're so combined into one thing that wherever you have one, you have the other. In fact, Jesus said to his disciples, show us the Father, and he said... Haven't you seen me? Because if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. That's how one they are. Okay? So, 
Because Jesus and the Father are one, and Jesus is in the Father, and the Father is in Jesus, and because there's only one God, I pray that all of us would be one. Now, speaking of prayer, Jesus taught many things on prayer, and Jesus said, if you ask for anything in my name, you'll get it. Do you believe that? Do you believe that if you ask for anything in the name of Jesus, in Jesus' name, that you'll receive what you pray for? The Bible says that, and and I think we all believe that. Now, what do you think would happen if Jesus himself were to pray for something? You think that might have a chance of happening? A little bit? That Jesus said something and he prayed for something. And if he told me that if I pray in his name, I'll get what I want. I assume if Jesus prays in his name, that what he prays for, he will receive. And what was his prayer? That all of them may be one. That's us. That we would be one. Just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Why does Jesus want us to be one? So the world will believe that the Father sent the Son. So Jesus is saying that if you want to communicate to the world who Jesus is, let me tell you how to do that. You, you followers of mine, be one. Be one. Um, But wait, there's more. Verse 22. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. I have to tell you that for years, as a follower of Jesus, I, I was either totally blind to this verse or I just didn't believe it. Did you see what that? I, Jesus, has given them, Tony, glory that the Father gave Jesus. The Father gave Jesus his glory. Right? We see Jesus, we see the glory of God. And Jesus just said that he gave me that same glory you also can you believe that you have been given glory you see what I learned and what my life has convinced me is (laughs) that I am just a sinner lower than a snake's belly in a wagon rut right there is no way that anything good could come from me Isn't that kind of what you know about yourself? Except Jesus says something different. He says, if you are in me, and I am in you, and you have my glory. uh, We need the glory of God in me, in you, so that we can be one. How many spirits are there? That Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth, the Advocate that Jesus gave to us. How many of them are there? One. So the one that is in you is the same one that is in me. Now how many Jesuses are there? (laughs) 
I know these are hard questions. There's one. There's one. Right? And the Jesus that is in you is the same Jesus that is in me. So because I have the Holy Spirit in me, and because I have Jesus in me, and because you have the Holy Spirit in you, and you have Jesus in you, we are now one. We're one. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them, and you in me. So that they may be brought to complete unity. Why do you have the Spirit? Why do you have Jesus? Why do I have the Spirit? Why do I have Jesus? For complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Once again, Jesus is saying this twice so we get it. Why do we have unity? Why are we one? So that the world will see me, see you, see the way we interact with each other, and they will believe in Jesus. Isn't that an amazing thing? Based on the way you and I act towards each other, and the relationship that we have with our brothers and sisters in Christ, the world will see that and believe they'll know that Jesus is who he says he is. So... In the form of a quick review, what have we learned this morning? Maybe? There we go. Things we have read. I said things we have learned. I don't know that you've learned them. I just know that we read them, right? So, what did we read? We read that Jesus prayed that we would be one. And Jesus is in us. And Jesus gave us the same glory that he has. We have this so that we would be in complete unity and then the world will know that Jesus is who he said he is. That's what we've read this morning. Everybody agree that's what we've read? <clears throat> so I have a question. So where's the unity? Where is it? Because you know what I see? Division. Denomination. Disputes. Quarrels. Separation. Arm-length friendship at best. Disdain mostly. Right? Can you believe the Methodists? And what they just did. Or how about the Baptists? Or how about those weird Christians? How about that legalistic branch over there? Or that liberal branch over there? Or that Pentecostal branch over here? Or that Stoic branch over here? Now, I'm in pretty good shape. Me and Jesus, we're, well... But you all, you're a mess. Now I'm saying this not because I believe this or that I want to live that way, but that's what I observe in followers of Jesus. 
Some of the, what are some of the best hobbies for Christians? Theology debates. We love to debate theology. Theology is a study of God. And I believe God is this way, and you believe God is that way. And so, because we differ on this, I am going to study to show myself smarter than you and make my case about how Scripture is right and true the way I believe it and how you are wrong. Because we all know that if we get our theology right, if my theology and your theology agree or somehow I convince you that my theology is wrong or yours is wrong, then people will believe in Jesus. Except that's not what Jesus said. People said, Jesus said that people would believe in Jesus because you and I are one. Not because my theology is better than yours or yours is better than mine. Or because our music is better or worse than somebody else's music. Or the way that we're relaxed and casual atmosphere here is better than the suit and tie crowd. But the, the jeans and rock music is better than what we have. Right? Because we have, to, we have to fight and say that mine is better than yours because that's the way this world is, right? You're a Republican or you're a Democrat and nobody's really sure how they got that way. They just are that way and the other side's terrible. Or you're for KU or you're for K-State. And nobody's really sure how you ended up in that camp. But one thing we know is that KU owns K-State. Right? Everybody knows that. See how that division works its way in there? See how it happens? I'm a this. What are you? I'm a Baptist. I'm a Methodist. I'm a Presbyterian. I'm just a Christian. Well, that's much better, right? To the exclusion of everyone else? Where's the unity? Now, it's easy to talk about us versus them. These other church building group peoples, right? And the differences that we have. And clearly, we are right. And clearly, they're not so right. Clearly. But what about just us in this room? All of us that go to the same building. How about us? Are we in complete unity? Look around the room. You in complete unity with everybody else in the room? Why not? Well, Tony, if you knew what I knew about them, you wouldn't be unity with them either. There it is, isn't it? Because the other people in this room are sinners. Saved by grace, yet still sinners. And my sin... Well, I've got that down to a manageable level and things are going okay here with my sin. But your sin, it's pretty disgusting. And while I would like to be in union with you, you need to shape up, buddy or sister, and do it like I do it, and then we can be close. But as long as you're going to be like that, I'm sorry, I can't be close with you. Now, maybe that's not exactly the conversation you have in your head, but isn't it something like that? Our enemy, he's awesome. 
at his job. Now, I hate him for it, but he is. Anything he can do to break the unity with us is his job one. Why? Because he knows that if you and I are made one, if you and I are in complete unity, the world will see that and they'll believe in Jesus. He knows that. So he always tries to divide us. He always tries to bring separation between our relationship with each other. Always. And we're so naive and silly that we let him do it. Um, So the things that we learned this morning. Do you believe in your heart, in your core, who you really are, that all believers are one? Do you believe that? I know we read it. I know you know it. I'm asking you, do you believe it? Is that one of your core beliefs, that all believers are one? How about this? Do you believe in your heart, that in the core of who you really are, the foundational things of who you are, that Jesus is in you, and that Jesus is in other believers? Do you believe that Jesus is in us? How about this one? Do you believe, way down deep inside, that you have been given the glory of God and that other believers have been given the glory of God? Do you believe that? And I know you all know they're true. We just read them. What I'm asking is, is that how you live your life? Because what we know is this. If you want to know what you truly believe, you look at your actions, not what you declare. If you believe, turn the other cheek. When somebody strikes you on one cheek, you will turn the other cheek. And that is the confession of what you believe. Right? Now, if you don't turn the other cheek, at best it means you know you should, or you wish you would, or why in the world did Jesus put that there? That can't be right. Something. But what it reveals is you don't believe that in your heart. And so here's what I'm telling you. If you're not living in complete unity with your brothers and sisters in Christ, it's because you don't believe one or more of the three things I just mentioned. You don't believe those things. Now, I know that to phrase it that way, to say that you don't believe something is offensive because we know how much God values belief and how distasteful unbelief is. And that's one of the reasons I wrap it up that way, to let you know how distasteful this is to not believe God. Jesus is in you. We have been made one. We all have the same Holy Spirit in us that gives us glory. What would it look like? How would you live if you believed that all believers are one? What would it look like? How would you live if you believed that Jesus was in you? And how would you live if you believed that you had glory? 
And the answer to those three questions and the definition of what that is, is complete unity. That's what unity looks like, and it comes from those things. It comes from Jesus. All right, the easy part of the sermons is over. Now it starts getting hard. If it really mattered to you that the world believed in Jesus, you would live in unity with your brothers and sisters in Christ. <sighs> I know. I hated writing that down. Because it smacked me right between the eyes like I hope it just smacked you right between the eyes. Because we say lots of things. But if you really wanted the world to believe in Jesus, you would be living in complete unity with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And listen, that's going to cost you something. Because I know your brothers and sisters in Christ. And they're a messed up group. Look to the left and to the right of you. See what I mean? Now, pick your mirror up and look in that. <laughs> you know, there are some people here this morning that don't think they're in the messed up category. How messed up is that? <laughs> Church has a long history of division. We need to stop that. I need to stop that. See, this is not about the group. And sadly, that's what most of us always think about. And every time I'm in a theological debate, it's never about the person I'm talking with. It's always about other people. The classic theological debate that has been going on my whole life is, once saved, always saved, or you can lose your salvation. Nobody who's ever brought that up to me ever once was talking about themselves and their relationship with Jesus. They were always talking about somebody else's relationship with Jesus. Who does somebody else serve and follow? You or Jesus? What business is it of yours how they serve Jesus? Well, they're not doing it right, Tony. Maybe. Are you their Lord and Master? Or are you just the control freak, the control freak trying to make everybody else live like you do so that your life is better? Because I want to tell you all, if you would live like me, my life would be much better. Right? If you all did it my way, it would be much better for me. That's the heart of this. Why do we not have unity? Because I want you to do it my way. And I value more my way and my comfort than I value Jesus, the lost world, or my brothers and sisters in Christ. Shame on me. Right? I know, I didn't want to say all this this morning. This is hard. This is heavy. This means I have to change the way I view people and the world and the kingdom of heaven. This means 
that I have to actually live by faith. I have to trust that the king of the universe is able to deal with somebody else's heart. And that I've been set free from that. Could that possibly be true? That they serve their master, not me? And that it's their master's responsibility to teach them the things of the kingdom, not mine? That it is my responsibility to love them and to be one with them? And to say something like the Apostle Paul would say, And if you disagree on these things, God will make it clear to you. Right? He spilled out a whole bunch of things he believed, and then he said to the listener, and if you disagree with me, God will work it out with you. Not my job. My job, 100% truth, 100% grace. Holy Spirit's job, change your heart, not mine. And when I can let go of changing your heart and conforming you into the picture of Jesus that I have in my head, then I can begin to love you and you and I can begin to be one and then complete unity will take over and control and rule. And the world will be blown away by the complete unity that they see in you and me. And they will immediately be drawn to Jesus and believe him to be who he said he was. Anybody want to live that way? In an authentic community of believers? Where we say, yeah, I know. They're a little jacked up. I know that. And I am too. Me too. Right? But we're all pursuing Jesus in the kingdom of heaven. And we're all asking the Holy Spirit who lives in us, to teach us and to reveal the things of the, of the kingdom to us. And we're all asking Jesus who lives in us to live his life through us. Which makes us one and brings us to complete unity. Um, how do we do this? Well, we have to take our focus our eyes and our vision off of our differences and put our eyes and our focus and our attention on our oneness which is Jesus so instead of looking at you and seeing the way that you are messed up differently than the way I am messed up looking at you seeing Jesus in you causes us to be one What if I don't like something I see in you? Think that might ever happen? Yeah, I think it would. If the Holy Spirit's in me and he's causing me to be holy and, and I happen to see you commit some sin, I think that'll be a problem for us. What am I supposed to do when you sin? Pardon me? Make allowance for one another's sins because love covers over a multitude of sins. Does it mean it's okay for you to sin? Of course not. I, I come to you with truth to teach and correct and train and to show you what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus because I love you. And at the same time I'm bringing that truth to you, I'm bringing grace, offering forgiveness and mercy to you because I know that you're a fallen person just like I am and we all sin in different ways and we need Jesus to do this. 
So in love, we correct and train and encourage and motivate each other. Not divide and split and hate. Hundred percent truth, hundred percent grace. Remember what value number one was? Value one was biblical authority. That means that we base our truth on God's word. That's the standard for which we, we live our lives. Do you does anybody here? Show of hands. Anybody here think Tony has got that mastered? That I'm living the way the Bible says I should live yet? I don't think so either. So you're all forgiven for saying that or not saying that. Hopefully I'm closer than what I once was. But from this, from this point forward, I'm 100% committed to biblical authority. I want to live the way Jesus wants me to live. Value number two, relational intimacy. The only way I can live based on what I see in, in biblical authority is because I have a relationship with Jesus. And because of biblical authority, and because of my relationship with Jesus, I now have entered into value number three, intentional apprenticeship. Where I become more and more like Jesus. I'm trying to be an apprentice of Jesus. Doing things the way he does them. Becoming more and more like Jesus on purpose. And that's value four today. Authentic community. We are one. Because of Jesus, because of the Holy Spirit. We have complete unity because of that. Um, if you don't believe the things that are true, you won't experience the results of that truth. So, if if you don't believe that you and other followers of Jesus are one, if you don't believe that we can live in complete unity, if you don't believe that you've been given the glory of God because Jesus is in you and that we have been made one, then your experience won't be complete unity. But as you change, as the Holy Spirit reveals and changes your heart and as you begin to accept and believe these things that are true you will experience the fruit of this truth now i'm not saying that because you don't believe the truth it's not true the truth is true because god said it but you won't experience any of the re of the uh, reactions responses the benefits of the truth if you don't believe them to be true that's why I always tell you that lame story about winning the lottery and they put $45 million in my account, but I don't believe it to be true, so I don't spend the money because it's not mine to spend. The money's in the bank, but I'm receiving no benefit from the money because I don't believe it's there. That's the condition I'm talking about. We have been made one. But unless you believe that, you won't experience any of the benefits of it. Now, the intentional apprenticeship part. Intentionally laying down your need and your right to be right. Right? Can you lay that down? 
and accept that other followers of Jesus might be different than you. Maybe they're not as far along as you. Or just maybe they're much farther ahead of you than you are. I know. That's possible, isn't it? Can you lay that down? That need to be right? That need to make everybody else conform to your image of Jesus? Can you lay that down? Lay that in Jesus' hand? Let that be His responsibility? In renovation, as we've been going through that, one of the things was there are some things that I am not responsible for. And when I try to take responsibility for things that I'm not responsible for, it's going to be a train wreck. Because I have no control over the things I can't control. On the other hand, there are things that I am responsible for. And if I neglect those things, it's going to be a train wreck because nobody else can do the things that have been assigned to me. That applies here. If I try to change you so that you and I can be one, guess how that's going to go? Not well. But if on the other hand, I change me, as much as it lies within me to get along with all men, I'm in. I'm in. That's my commitment today. Right? I want to get along. I want to be one. I want to have complete unity with my brothers and sisters in Christ. And if you and I disagree on some really important theological point, my prayer is this, that the Holy Spirit will reveal to you or to me what needs to be revealed so that that unity and we all attain the knowledge of the kingdom of heaven at the same pace or at the same point where we become one. Right? Because Jesus is more important than what I think about Jesus. It is as the world sees you and I following Jesus in complete unity that they are drawn to Jesus because the world wants that. The world wants to be in union. Right? You know about mob stuff. Right? When... Uh, Two or three people start doing something and four or five join and then ten more and then fifty more and a hundred more and complete chaos and it becomes its own, its own living organism, a crowd. People that would never do things on their own, somehow they get in a crowd and they do all kinds of crazy things together as a crowd. People love to be drawn into a group. And when the world sees that group that is in complete unity and oneness through the holiness of Jesus Christ, they're drawn to that. And as you and I express that love and fellowship with one another, they want in. It's the natural order of man. The whole world knows this. But somehow it's been stolen from us and we don't live that way. And what should be our most powerful message has become our biggest distract, distract, detractor of the church. We're split. We're divided. We can't get along. Isn't that how the world views the followers of Jesus? Not anymore. I'm done with that. How about you? You done with that? This morning, are you willing, can you intentionally commit to your Master, Lord and Savior Jesus? That I am one with your other followers, Jesus. And I will live in complete unity with them. 100% grace, 100% truth, 
I know we're different. Matter of fact, they might even be sinning. But that will not break the unity that I have with them because of the Spirit and the Son that live in me. Would you pray with me? Oh, Jesus. Things that we have read this morning, the things that the Holy Spirit is revealing to us, that we are one. I, Jesus, am one with all your other followers. Jesus, I commit to you this morning to live in unity with them, to say no to the division, to the hate, to the discord, to the separation. I say no. And instead I say yes to unity. That we are one. And Jesus, I know there's no way I can live that way without you. Without the glory that you have placed in me. I can't do it. So I need you to do this. Every day I need you. But Jesus, I love you with all my heart. And I want the world to know that. And to love you that same way. So that they can have life. Life that comes from you, Jesus. And that we all can live in freedom. The freedom of holiness. So Jesus, we invite you into this. We can't do it without you. We don't even try. But through you. Through the spirit of truth that you have placed in our hearts. Because you are in each one of us. Draw us together. Jesus, I pray that you would give me a heart of love for my brothers and sisters in Christ. Your heart of love. That I would love my brothers and sisters the way you love them, Jesus. That I would have enough faith to trust you to work this out. I don't see how. But you do. And I believe you. May we live as one. Complete unity. Following Jesus. Loving each other well. So that we have a strong voice and a draw to the world, the lost. That they may know you too, Jesus. Glorify yourself through us. We pray it in your name. Amen.